Gaitis, Liga Gaitis, out of there with the... Some people knew he was forced to get off of home base when he thought it was too dangerous. They said too many people are getting hurt. There were 10 people that were taken off site. A lot of people have been talking about these fires, but it was so much more than that. Podcast 99. Welcome back to Podcast 99. This is Ryan Lichten. I'm here with Parks Miller, as always. And we are barreling through the third day of the Woodstock 99 Music Festival. This is uh, July 25th, 1999, we're talking about. And the sets that we're going to be talking about today are easily the roughest, I would say. As far as like the, the balancing act of, like, is it funny enough to sit through and deal with? Versus like what's just actually terrible <laughs> in our opinion, and uh, right. the the rewards, the the payoff uh, of of watching them all the way through. This is definitely the roughest block. Right. Everyone knows that there's there is a a threshold of something being terrible enough that you can get some sort of entertainment value of it. You know, a classic example is that movie The Room, and it's like this cult, right. this major <laughs> cult thing, and it's so bad, but everyone loves it. Uh, but sometimes you just don't get that, and it's really just painful to watch. And I, I think that's a big part of this episode. There are a couple great moments, though, that I'm that I'm yes. particularly excited about in the no, midst yeah. of all the shit. Well, just like with with anything else, yeah. There's of course gonna be uh, some stuff, but bear with us, because yeah, uh, you know, sometimes we get emails or people are kind of bummed that we're particularly harsh on on certain acts and things. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of that today. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And uh, we're going to start over on the East stage, the main stage. It's about 2.45-ish uh, in, in the afternoon is when this set was. And we're talking about Everlast. Ooh, now, yeah. Everlast, uh, you know, he's mostly known uh, as being the, the front man for, for House of Pain, uh, you know, famed for their song Jump Around. But he was also in acts like Rhyme Syndicate, La Coca Nostra. Uh, you like that accent that I did there? I bet you do. Uh, but <laughs> so Everlast, he was born Eric well, Schroeder. But his but but before we get into it, I, I want to say Everlast, at least for me and for this age group, I will say that I knew him as his self because that song what it's like i mean that was like to me that's still just because of my time period the biggest song of his and i think yeah. that a lot of people like in that late 90s early 2000s with the what is it the whitey ford or whatever that album you right know, yeah that's kind no, of no, the definitely i mean i i definitely knew of i knew of everlast before uh i knew that he was in uh in House of Pain, and of course, I yeah. my introduction to the song "Jump Around" was uh, the birthday party scene in Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> if, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you guys remember when the goat's eating the cake, that's actually one of those scenes in a movie. Like much like in the Ninja Turtles movie, whenever they pull out a piece of pizza, you're like, "Fuck, that's like the best looking pizza I've ever seen." Best looking birthday <laughs> cake is the cake that the goat is eating in Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> I, I stand by that. It has like a frosting grass on it, which would be confusing for a goat. But uh, anyways, <laughs> so he was, he was born Eric Schrody. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Probably am. I don't want to say Scrody because that might be what he was like teased with <laughs> as, as a child. <laughs> but uh, in 1990, his group Rhyme Syndicate released their first album with the help of Ice-T. And it was a flop. But in 1992, he teamed up with his friend Danny Boy, who he went to high school with, uh, to form House of Pain. Now, already... Uh, 
using the the name Danny Boy, it gives you a hint that House of Pain is very into their Irish heritage, and uh, you know shamrocks and and being being white dudes and and, and things like that. They're, they're always pushing the shamrock kind of uh, Irish image uh, for some reason. I don't know. Maybe there was a market for that at the time. It's, I mean, it's really big. You know, it's really big. And then uh, when did that movie uh, The Boondock Saints? That came out, oh, and then yeah. I feel like that was like a, that was like a huge bias for every like super Irish pushing dude, you know? Like, yeah, look at oh, these guys, they're Irish, they're kicking everyone's ass. Yeah, I'm gonna throw on Dropkick Murphys, Boondock Saints, and then uh, you know go go get in a fight uh, after the football game. But um, so also, well, the song "Jump Around" real quick was produced by DJ Muggs of Cypress Hill, um, and. They rep themselves, yeah, as this Irish American like bad boy group. Uh, their DJ was actually DJ Lethal of Limp Biscuit, so he, you know, mm-hmm. both of them were were at Woodstock '99, but but different. But he actually DJ Lethal is uh, of Latvian descent, not Irish, so he kind of slid under the the Irish radar there. Uh, but House of Pain was huge when they came out. They toured with the Ramones, which is a big deal and really funny. Also, Helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they toured with the Beastie Boys and other Woodstock '99 alumni. Rage Against the Machine, who are uh, reuniting for Coachella and some other summer dates. Uh, I saw that. I yes. Saw that. Ma- major, major. I-, I wonder what took them so long. Uh, maybe the – I mean, I'm sure the checks that they give you are enough to get anyone back together. It's got to be a ridiculous sum of money. But in 1996, House of Pain broke up, and Whitey Ford, a.k.a. Everlast, a.k.a. Eric, started his solo career. And pretty much right off the bat, he got into a beef with Eminem after they both appeared on the soundtrack for the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, End of Days. Uh, Whitey claims that Eminem dissed him at a party, and the two went back and forth on diss tracks about each other for about the next two years. Um, Man, the the white boy rap scene was just, it was so ruthless when it started out. (laughs) It just seems like Eminem has had a beef with everyone. I mean, this is like... One of what well, at least ICP, Limp Biscuit, Everlast. If there's not more artists that he's, I think had everyone just at Woodstock. They just know? resented him because he was so much bigger than everyone, and like none of these other white rappers were brought under the wing of people like Dr. Dre. You know what I mean? And yeah. like touring with Ice Cube and stuff. Everyone else was kind of like, no, you're a white guy rapper. Whereas Eminem, like that, la- that stigma only lasted with him. Maybe his first album. After that, it just got dropped, and he just became an icon uh, of rap music. That's true. So I feel like a lot of guys, especially like a pioneer of white boy rap, like, you know, Whitey Ford from house of pain would fucking feel some kind of resentment towards him. Uh, but for, for that reason, you know, uh, and poor vanilla ice during all this, just nowhere to be seen <laughs> during all this, uh, mm-hmm. that, the height of white boy rap. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and also I he just love, I think he was, uh, racing, uh, what was he racing? Like motorbikes or something. Around Shit, the late 90s. I, I don't know he what be, the fuck he was doing. He became a motocross champion. I know um, he was doing a behind the music. I know that. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it's he had a the... somewhat successful motocross career. Interesting. In huh. the 90s. Yeah, he was also he also ended up on the show Surreal Life. But we'll do a whole Vanilla Ice thing on our upcoming series, Culture Dumps. <laughs> uh, absolutely, because that's, that's too big of a culture dump. Uh, so in 1998, Everlast officially released his first album, Whitey Ford Sings the Blues, and then later, Eat at Whitey's. So he's, he's getting established. He, he's making a name for himself as a solo artist, and he made it all the way to the main stage in the middle of the afternoon at Woodstock 99. Now, this set, folks, is one of the oddest, weirdest sets 
of the entire festival. It's definitely worth putting on a little bit of it just to check out for yourself, and we'll play a few clips here and there, but it just sounds fucking crazed. It literally sounds like... Um, like the, I don't know if anyone's ever been to Disneyland, but if you have, there is a uh, a wild like Roger Rabbit ride, and there's a part where your car is spinning out of control, and all these neon monsters are coming at you from every angle. That's what this set sounds like. It sounds like the bonkers <laughs> part of a cartoon nightmare, where every every instrument sounds backwards and every everything sounds <laughs> wrong, <laughs> and I don't understand yeah. it. Uh, they come out looking like a mismatched band, too, right away. Like, on site, you would never be able to call what kind of music they played. Uh, and no matter what your answer was, you'd be wrong. <laughs> Even if you guessed, it's like, oh, this is like a post-hip-hop kind of like folk tinge thing, which is the correct answer. That's still wrong. Um, right. And they open up with a major fart bass that's just a confusing mm -hmm. cacophony of sound. Uh, and, like, this is the first thing to come out of the stage, so we're going to listen to that really quick. <laughs> No one knows what that so, is. But but the thing is, is if you listen to more of the set, um, it becomes harder to tell if that is... I mean, I think it's intentional. I think that that is what they're going for. And yeah, you said like a, like a post-hip-hop folk. And I think that that is is a pretty good um, description. I would also add there's almost this sort of jazz. Like I, if you watch like the drummer, he's kind of playing like a jazz drummer. Like he's holding his sticks like a jazz drummer. Right, which is just a just cool guy move, like, really. It's a cool guy move in 1999. Um, but I feel like maybe Everlast, it's because it, 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 it's, it's, he's certainly rapping, but I feel like he was maybe like, Oh, like uh, Beastie Boys, like they played their own instruments because at this point the Beastie Boys had kind of established that they weren't just rappers, that they also would play instruments and they were doing entire performances just as a band. So I feel like he kind of maybe was inspired by that. And he was yeah. like, I don't know, like went to a couple coffee shops and like heard jazz because like the bass player is playing <laughs> like a stand up bass. But then you have, you know, a DJ with records so you have all these elements together. Well, and the stand-up bass is most definitely plugged into a effects pedal of some sort. Right. It's just, I feel like he he was probably like, oh, that'd be so cool, like a stand-up bass. <laughs> Let's have that in the set. Like, that would just look really cool, you know? God. And and you know what? Because it sounds it doesn't. really weird. And every, and it, no, it sounds bizarre. Even the way everyone's set up on stage, it just seems sloppy. Again, it, it looks like a coffee shop jam. Everyone's dressed different. There's like, the weird like kind of bucket hat with the bill like flipped up thing happening. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Everlast himself is is wearing like a, a baseball shirt, you know, a button up baseball shirt and, and glasses and a baseball hat like like he's doing an interview 10 years after Woodstock 99 about Woodstock 99. Like, <laughs> like it, it seems like off day or it, like, like, oh, no, like I was pretty wild back then. But now I have the glasses on. Like, you know, when you see like a rock star wearing glasses. Yeah. No, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly. What you're yeah. Talking about. It's yeah. It's um it's kind of it, it, it feels like if you were let's say you like you're a freshman in college. Right. <laughs> and then you're like trying to like meet you're trying to meet people on your door, like in your dorm, on your hallway. And there's just like six guys and everyone's like 
I play music. Like I play music too. And then you're like, oh, I'm in college. I'm a freshman. I should. We should let's let's jam together. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. And then it's just gonk, like this jazz gonk, player. Gonk, gonk, gonk. <laughs> yeah, like just this. And then it's just these really disparate elements. But then you're just in college, and so you don't have any fucking better thing to do yet. So you're like, yeah, let's like play a show. Ugh. And you just like keep you just keep going with it. Until you play Woodstock 99. Dude, it's uh, things like that that make me so happy I dropped out of college and now denounce playing live music. Uh, to, to <laughs> the two elements of my life that could have made me an Everlast, I, I have now since quit. Now I'm just a nerd that talks shit on everyone. Um, also, <laughs> this is one of my favorite quotes. Uh, and I'm just going to say, we, we won't even play this one. But he, he walks out and he says, the white folks have entered the building. And I, and mm-hmm. he keeps repping this white boy thing throughout the entire set. And I like, okay, there is absolutely no real thing as like white pride or white power that's like not evil inherently. But if there was, he's repping it. Like he's repping this pod, like <laughs> this positive like white pride kind of thing where he, he can- well, but see, I but I also I there's a lot about this person that i do feel like i can relate to like when you know especially in in middle school and high school like sort of the environment like i do i feel like maybe that everlast type persona was just maybe like prevalent at my high school or something because i feel like what he means by he's saying the white folks so much because it's like he's very self-conscious or like aware like he is a white boy rapper and so it's almost that thing where like and i feel like this was also sort of like a 90s thing where it would be like like say it was like a black centered comedy and then you have like the one white guy and you're like oh look at that white boy like you know right. like that white boy can dance or he can rap yeah, or well, like he, almost he, even the way kid rock got his name of being like that kid like that one white boy he can rock the turntables right and so i feel like that's kind of what he's saying he's like he's like i'm the like the awkward white guy who like loves rap it's like the 8 mile moment like where he's yeah. like i'm just going to i'm just going to say but, this shit before you do cuz i know you're thinking right but then he d- but he does say it a lot. So he's like, white people. Yeah. <laughs> he just says it multiple times. But he says folks. You know, he says folks because he's like folks. down home. It's, folks is blue collar. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and that's definitely the image of – blue collar is definitely the image that I got from those songs on Eat at Whitey's or whatever it was called. And it was like, you know, very like that very like downtrodden. Like that was the big hit, uh, what it's like. It was kind of like all these – portraits of all these kind of down on their luck type yeah people, it's a song for the working you know? man really right he's like but Bruce then, Springsteen. whatever but whatever happened between that album i guess in 98 and like this performance like i feel like he just smoked a ton of weed and was like <laughs> jazz is really cool i like jazz yeah because it doesn't have that it has this really bizarre experimental thing going on that doesn't even really relate to like the album he just released nothing makes sense Nothing makes sense. It, it's the it's such a fucking confusing thing, uh, and there, there's like also throughout the set there's a steady stream of trash being thrown, and it's not in a positive way. It's not like the Kid Rock like Why Clef John like everybody throw a trash. It's just like boo, kind of like they might as well be mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes in like the Renaissance times. Um, he yeah. also mentions uh, in one of the interviews that he did for Much Music, he mentions that this isn't really Woodstock and everyone should be nice to each other all the time. And this whole positivity thing they're pushing is kind of bullshit. And if you go on our Patreon, um, I think I made this available for all levels of subscribers. I just posted like tons of our reference materials and you can find a link to the Much Music um 
coverage there. It's like a 20 minute mm-hmm. long thing. It's entirely worth watching the whole thing. It's, it's amazing. Um, oh, at, at yeah. one point, uh, someone throws a roll of toilet paper on stage because now the bathrooms are completely unusable. So all the toilet paper and everything is basically just like fun, like shit to throw. Like no one actually needs it because they're like, fuck it. Like I'm going to wipe my ass with a pizza box and like shit on the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there's no need for actual toilet paper. So they, they throw it on stage and it gets like perfectly draped over the bassist while he's playing. Like someone teepeed Everlast. Like they teepeed the bassist <laughs> and, and a stagehand has to come out and help him like remove it. And he, it's funny because he's trying to like untangle him, but just tear the fucking shit. Just tear it. Right. What are you doing? Just, he's like, but that's what I'm see. You're, now you're talking about TPing and I'm like, I'm having another like high school flashback. I mean, like, do people like throw toilet paper anymore i have no idea i haven't I hung know. out with high schoolers since i was in high school that's good but i distinctly remember that like you know you would tp people and fuck yeah and oh dude like we that. would and tp here, the actually, shit out of people here's another clip i've got in my notes that we should play real quick uh just some of their playing okay yeah so yeah. let's let's hear this quick clip real quick so like that this to me again that type of like scratchy like percussive guitar thing like i feel like that was just another thing about being in middle school and like starting to learn the guitar. And it's like, you hear like a Jimi Hendrix song. So then you just go like, waka, 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 waka. And you like try to like, <laughs> like make this sound happen. It's and, bizarre. Um, They're making a sound happen. That's for sure. One thing's yeah. for sure. There's a sound happening. What it is. But I don't know. The, but here there is one thing it's, mostly unbearable uh he does do a very small Jimi hendrix reference there's a ton of little Jimi hendrix references peppered amongst the artists of woodstock um he does a small little bit like that he covers a marvin gay song yes which so does he, not so sound kind of, like a marvin gay none of their songs bad. yeah sound like a song first of all right no, not, not one song they play sounds like an actual song <laughs> i have in your notes it says uh sounds like a drunk bro at karaoke yeah. And it does cuz he's so like raspy. He it's like that it's like Yeah, and it's like that thing where I guess and again maybe he's just sort of trying to sound like a black dude, but he also just sounds like he's partied way too hard the night before and is literally just like fighting to have some sort of voice. Well, which is possible like, because if you remember our survivor Mike Scriber, he said that he was actually uh paired up with Everlast to like you know, walk around, like hang out with them for a while uh, backstage before they played. And he said that uh, he was just hanging out in his trailer drinking Gatorade the whole time. So like that, he very well might have been nursing a hangover. Um, if it's yellow or red Gatorade, it's very good chance that it was a hangover. <laughs> Those like yellow sometimes is like the ultimate hangover cure, even though it's the worst Gatorade flavor. Why is that? Does it have more electrolytes? I don't know. I think it's just like, I, I don't know. It's just something like medicinal about it. Like the way it tastes or something, it like tricks you into thinking that like you're taking like a medicine. I don't know. Um, oh, but this- these are pro tips that Ryan's given out here. Yeah. Yellow Gatorade, yeah. yellow or red, yellow or red, <laughs> and that's also how you spot if someone's hungover. Yeah, uh, they play. Yeah, his, vo- his voice is like his voice is that rasp is one of the close. And I talked about this in the ICP Patreon, but that's one of the closest uh, things to like what almost ninety nine percent of the people sounded like at the gathering. Is like baseline starting with that everlasting. Like, hey, what's up? What's up, <laughs> dude? I wouldn't be surprised. Actually, they probably had beef at some point because I was about to. Say, oh no, no. House of Pain played like some Juggalo thing recently. I want to say within the last year, 
maybe a lot last, like last year cool. too. I I, I, yeah. I think I think they did. Uh, ICP's you know very into their hip hop roots performances that they book. Um, they play a, a white folks version is what I'm calling it because again, oh, there's, there's white folks. But uh, mm. they play jump around, and it's not even the first right. time that it's been played at. Mm-hmm. This festival, like I think someone each day dropped it, and like Wyclef Jean had, I think you know had them play, uh, had the DJ drop it. Uh, third base definitely threw it out on the pre-show day. It's almost like everyone forgot that Everlast was who he was, and they're just like playing that song. But this song, or maybe they maybe they knew this is the version he was going to play, and they were like, "We need to hear the original one because yeah, for this God's is sakes. this version is so." bizarrely different and i would say if there was one video that you needed to watch from this set look up everlast woodstock 99 jump around yeah and we'll, that, we'll play kind of sums it all up we'll play yeah, like a little clip a of minute. it yeah 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 i'm gonna do something but y'all better make it worth my motherfucking while And this is the white folks version of something that all y'all know, and it go with a little something like they are. nothing about this yeah. that sounds like the like the huge hit smash single that made him big enough to be on the Woodstock stage <laughs> nothing right. about that resembles the original song that is so dearly beloved by the american people it is and you know fucking and, brutal. and people and people you know there's always a history of musicians and artists that kind of they get popular and for one style of whatever they do and then they make these big like drastic changes and they can be really controversial that they do these you know bob dylan picked up an electric guitar whatever like it can be very controversial and can be incredibly successful but i feel like for any success story there's also just like a total like what the fuck are you doing here (laughs) kind of moment and that's what this feels like it feels like they were like if we have all these cool these instruments it's gonna like it'll be cool and different you know like when you're just like when you're when someone's like man like i just want to hear something different and you're just like i don't know what that actually means uh but maybe this is what it sounds like 
I guess it is. Uh, oh, I have here a note that says uh, people do mosh to jump around, but it's all wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like the only way I could like just this isn't right. This is this is not correct. Uh, they also go into like a short history of hip hop medley, much like Third Base did. But it's just fucking confusing because, again, none of the songs that they play their entire set really sound like a song. So for them to play like six songs in one really just sounds like someone's like, like when you're trying to get your Bluetooth to connect to the car, like a radio station, and you're hearing <laughs> things come in and out, that's what it's like. Yeah. It, it's so brutal. Again, like brutal yeah. is the number one way to describe the Everlast set. And it's not brutal like, well, we have another really, <laughs> what I'm going to say, it was the hardest set to watch uh, thus far. I can't imagine that there's anything worse than what's coming after this. But, um, you know, it's just confusing. And the crowd is so confused that whenever the pay-per-view camera goes to the crowd, everyone's just kind of standing around. And it, mm -hmm. it's interesting because they're standing, like, separated from each other because no one's, like, really jamming in for, for Everlast. So you can see the ground. And the ground is fucking filthy. It's covered in garbage. It's covered in mud. It is concrete. So, like, you know what I mean? It, like, they're on asphalt. So it's just, like, a goddamn mess. And it really... This set, more than any of the other ones I've seen before, especially on this day, really allows you to see how disgusting the venue is from start to finish, you know, uh, like for all the way from the bathrooms up to the very front of the main stage. It is trashed. Oh, dude, this is one of my favorite notes. Uh, it says a lot of the songs kind of sound like the Tom Green song. Daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> okay, I, I watched that movie. Uh, you're talking about from uh, Freddie Got Fingered. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's a weird that's possibly deserving of a culture dumps in itself. Um the fact yeah, I that just that met movie Tom Green. got made. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he I was walking with uh, my buddy Adam who you guys heard on uh, the the day 3 part 2 episode. We're walking down the street. Tom Green's walking right towards us. He's got a camera around his neck and I'm just like, "Hey, Tom Green. I'm a big fan." He goes, "Oh, thanks, dude." And then he, and then he looks at my buddy Adam and he goes, "Can I take your picture?" And Adam's just like, uh, yeah, sure. And so like he, he's just like, oh, so what are you guys up to? Just like talking to us, taking a picture of Adam. And then uh, that was pretty much it. And like that was it. And like it was really funny because Adam was just like, wait, like you stopped Tom Green. And then he stopped you, me <laughs> to take my picture. And of course, it was That's on Hollywood Boulevard. So like all these tourists were like, oh, who was that? Like, who was that? And Adam, of course, made the joke. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, he's so washed up. He's taking pictures with fans, like, rather than, you know, fans taking pictures with him. But that's not true. Tom Green's doing very well. It was just a fun joke to make. He's great. He's great. Uh, and then the set ends. And the set ends with the DJ just kind of going ape shit with, like, 8-bit samples. Again, just true to form, none, none of this shit makes sense. None of this shit makes sense. None of this shit sounds like Everlast. Yeah. Again, because when you think of Everlast, you're thinking, like, maybe you know what it's like. And it's like, you know, cool acoustic guitar. They blew that song, yeah. too. Not, not, like, they, they just refuse to play anything album quality. Yeah, they play it, and it doesn't sound good. And also, I mean, he must have had, like, a really big voice transformation because there's no raspy guy on Jump Around. Right. Like, none of those rappers are raspy. So I don't, e I mean, and excuse my ignorance, but I don't even know which verse is Everlast's on Jump Around. I think he's the one that says, like, if your girl acts up, I'm smacking the hoe. Oh, the John McEnroe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 
Well, yeah, it's just something. I don't know. He smoked a ton of cigarettes between Jump Around and Woodstock '99. Well, if, you know, if you listen, maybe cigars. Yeah, <laughs> like right before his <laughs> set. Like, <laughs> yeah, I need three cigars on my rider. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, anyway, is you what thought it is. you thought that was rough. Now we're going to talk about a band that did play album quality, and that does not help their case. Uh, we're jumping over to the West Stage now, the the secondary stage. It's three forty ish in the afternoon, and we have the world music kind of folk group, Rusted Root. Now, Rusted Root is a band that I was not familiar with at all until I realized what their big hit was, and I was like, oh shit, I've heard this in every fucking movie ever. Um, but it's, it's bad. This, this set to me is absolutely the roughest one I've ever watched, uh, from Woodstock 99. It was incredibly hard to get through this, but we did it because that's what we do here on podcast 99. We thoroughly researched. So rusted root formed in 1990 in Pittsburgh. Uh, they were described as a world beat band and they're mostly known for their world music sound and their song send me on my way which has been featured in over 10 films including ice age matilda home for the holidays and race the sun uh license your music people it is important and that is how you will make the most money with your music is by <laughs> licensing it out because rusted root again i've heard that song a shitload of times never heard a rusted root uh, they've also mm-hmm. sold more than 3 million albums, and they're currently on hiatus. So if you guys were hoping to catch them this summer, sorry. You have to mm-hmm. rent Ice Age instead uh, to hear some Rusted Root. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Matilda. <laughs> uh, hey, they, Matilda's a, a great movie. These are all great I films. Yeah, I, I haven't seen uh, Ice Age, actually. Oh, it's, 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 it's great. It's, uh, it's, almost, it's better than the band. Um, and mm. they... <laughs> Rusted Root dresses like a cult. Like they dress like the Manson family. They they mm-hmm. like they're definitely worse dressed overall. I'm probably just going to go ahead and call that uh, as a as a real thing. Uh, the singer alone is wearing. He's dressed like a genie. Like he has these giant. <laughs> he has a the vest on, no shirt, and like these gigantic <laughs> pants. He's literally dressed like someone that would play a genie in a play. The genie, the genie vibe was big, I think. <laughs> the- and then Christina Aguilera fucking had to appropriate it. <laughs> when did Aladdin come out? Because um, <laughs> way before this, because Aladdin was a sexy guy, and that you know that could be why he those, is dressed uh, like pants. Aladdin, not even like a genie. He is dressed like Aladdin. Yeah, but it's kind of that because I feel like there's something about the there's something about um, I think when you do it being like the heady and the festivals. And maybe taking lots of drugs and staying up all night dancing. That comfort really plays into it, you know? Yeah, that's I mean, why. If you I have d- some pants yeah. that you can sweat in for like 25 hours straight, <laughs> lots of breathing room, you can, lots of pockets for uh, whatever you want to take. Deep I'm not saying pockets. that the, the people of, of, of Rusted Root do drugs. I really don't know. I would that be about surprised. Them. But I know that a lot of people have done drugs. While listening to Rusted Root. Yes. People that I would never want to do drugs with ever. Oh, I also have it written here that everyone in the band looks like they would have something to say at a comedy show. Like, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like these would be the people that it's like, um, actually, and like would like heckle with some like fucking political statement that they had that they like weren't cool with whatever was being yeah. said on stage. They all look like that person, but they all look like they would have a problem with something different. Um, the vocals are literally the most frightening thing in the world. Uh, we, we were talking a lot about Our Lady Peace being an interesting uh, vocal 
styling. This is way more intense. So let, let's fucking yeah. take a little listen to, to this. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying and confusing. And like, I don't know what part of the world they got that for the world music uh, aspect of them, <laughs> but I certainly do not want to go there. <laughs> it, it sounds like whatever like influence they're getting for this vocal styling, it's whatever part of the world, that part of the world uses a very piece of thin bread to scoop the shit off of the plate you know like that style of cuisine <laughs> that's what it sounds like it, like when you go to a restaurant that serves it they don't have chairs <laughs> you know what I mean? like i would say like like I ethiopian think, but not ethiopian because that'd be too cool yeah i'm gonna say because you're talking about ethiopian food the food is a lot better than the sounds coming out of his mouth yeah <laughs> absolutely it's, it's a complete disservice to the food being served here this is uh, to say this, that you have to eat this food with this kind of sound in, in your head can i have some uh, more bread uh? yeah, yeah. His, his voice also sounds the way like when you watch beavis and butthead and butthead makes fun of a band like yeah like the singing that's how the guy actually sounds um, I mean, honestly, these sounds in another context, I could could be seen as enjoyable or some or groundbreaking or some sort of avant garde thing. But I think that part of the context where it comes back to this very like world beat sort of hit hippie rock, whatever you want to call it, like it kind of the that combination alone also makes it. It's adding another layer of just something unpleasant. Right. Well, and again, that though, you don't want. Like one thing, like, and I'm sure you've noticed listening to just the day three coverage, the bands that played to on this day are so much more mellow. It's so much different. It's such a different fucking vibe. It's definitely like a trying to tone it down kind of thing with the booking. Yeah. Uh, but this would just drive me even fucking crazier and would have me trying to break stuff. Uh, the singer also yeah. opens his mouth so goddamn wide. It's actually crazy. Uh, it, it's really wild. And throughout the, the, you know, their sound like musically, like minus the crazy singing, it, it, it there's like hints of bluegrass. Most of it's like kind of like Latin or Afro beat influenced. Um, and there's a chick on stage that that's like, you know, one of the main vocalists. She also plays like a tiny little flute and she plays a washboard, but it's like a vest washboard. It almost looks like the armor from hook that the lost boys <laughs> use. Like yeah, but I've you know I've I've seen the the washboard before. I, it it reminds me again of uh, we'll see not I mean I didn't spend a ton of time in college, but uh, I definitely had some friends um who went to sort of pretty like I don't know what you'd call it, it for like a hippie college, and I feel like uh, there was a couple times I went up there to visit, and uh, th some some iteration of this presentation uh, you know I encountered right like there was just a rust <laughs> the rusted root. If maybe not the entire band, but I felt like I at one point was with one member of Rusted Root. Right, you while it's, it's very you know, at a college in North Carolina. Uh, this is one uh, semi cool thing I will give them credit for. The singer breaks a string on the second song and rides it out the entire set. Does not replace it. Yeah, does not replace. Well, the here's guitar. the thing. I mean, you it it's rough, but it's it's by far not my least favorite. I mean, at least they are doing things competently and they play tight yeah they, you know they are they're, a tight they're, band. They're, at least the, i mean the rhythms are driving and propulsive so to me at you know if, if if at the very least you have something 
a steady backbeat as it were going as opposed to just like really like what was guster to me was just like that was, that was so so that hard was for me because it was bad. it was just acoustic and everything was really slow so i mean at least it's like fast i guess yeah yeah <laughs> and at least there's yeah at least but, there's like a fucking beat i got yeah you're right um but so, you know you got but again you got that the percussionist and he's got the like the tie-dye shirt i mean i think that this is a very supposed to be 69 attempt of like you know probably this band was like holy shit we're playing woodstock and they're thinking about the 60s and they're thinking they're 69 we're gonna vibes. we're gonna we're gonna have this bridge between us and them and you know like, yeah they're definitely honestly, 69 we, vibes yeah like the whole festival should have honestly been bands like rusted root and then it would have at least been closer to whatever the legacy was. I yeah, guess. people would probably remember it even less than they do now if, if it was, <laughs> yeah. but no one would have gotten hurt and nothing would have gotten burned. Uh, right. So then they, they take like a little break, and the drummer has a very important PSA for the folks uh, at Woodstock, so let, let's hear what he mm-hmm. has to say. Yeah, stay hydrated. He had no idea how much water cost at that point. We're on right. Sunday now, so we're talking $7 a bottle here. Uh, but, you know. Yeah. He's talking like a gallon per drink or what is it? Yeah, he, he said like, he's like, for every beer you drink, drink, uh, you know, a bottle of water. It's like, dude, we're not made of money here, bruh. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God, dude, my next note. So weird. I totally forgot that I even wrote this. They all look like non-Ethiopian wait staff at an Ethiopian restaurant. <laughs> I just can't get off the Ethiopian restaurant thing. It's the it's the Aladdin look. Not that that's an Ethiopian look, but just the restaurant. Yeah. Like you got to understand what an Ethiopian restaurant environment it's, is like. It's the well. It's I think that's what the I think that's the kind of getting towards this whole this concept of the world beat or world music. This this '90s interesting this subgenre thing that happened. It's it's sort of this vague. Uh, it's this mishmash of these different sort of styles or cultures, whatever you want to call it. Right. It's like a gumbo. <laughs> yeah. It's like a gumbo. Uh, they cover all along the watchtower. That's their grasp at 69 Vibes Straws. Um, also another Jimi Hendrix reference. Uh, yeah, Jimi mm-hmm. Hendrix is obviously the undisputed king of Woodstock history. Uh, is, is, mm-hmm. is what we my takeaway from all of these references. Uh, major Wook sightings throughout the set. Whenever it goes to the crowd, like anyone that was watching Mickey Hart is now watching Rusted Root. Uh, Absolutely. But, yeah. And, and it is, you know, it's very positive overall. So it is 69 vibes. Um, and then they arrive at their, their big hit single, Send Me On My Way. Uh, and they dedicate it to you all. This is dedicated to you all. And then one of them makes the quip, uh, is you all a sponsor? Kind of a... Fun little stupid fucking joke there, uh, <laughs> and then but also during that song though they they break down into a few bars of taking care of business. Why we do mm. not know. <laughs> it's back to the U-Haul thing, you know. And they're like, oh Maybe. shit, world music. We forgot to include North America. <laughs> I d- I am looking in the YouTube comments, and so one thing about the lead singer is that he's got like a buzz cut, or I mean, he's basically like very close shaved head. And one of the comments is, uh, never trust a hippie with short hair. <laughs> and I do, and because it does, you know, you're g- going on the cult thing, and he does, there is something about, like, the, sh- the shaved head cult leader where it's like, we're on to phase two now. Like, right, yes. Yeah. You, know, you start out <laughs> yeah. with long hair, and then you shave your head, 
It's like, all right, shit's about to get way more real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah, exactly. So exactly. Maybe, maybe they were uh, just shills for U-Haul. Yeah, th- this is when it just... turns from, like, like free love and, like, everything's beautiful to, like, and by the way, guys, the apocalypse is coming, so I hope you all know how to load guns. And uh, Or, like, f- maybe maybe FedEx, like, send me on my way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, was that, you know, that'd be such a great, you know, the package. You just uh, give I, the package some googly eyes and, oh my you know, you personify this. <laughs> this is a great ad. Yeah. So they end their set. Thank God we're, we're at the end of their set now. They end with Can't Always Get What You Want by the Rolling Stones, and I, I did get what I wanted. I got the fucking end of the Rusted Root set. So they were, <laughs> they were wrong. That is my lame yeah. Rusted Root joke there. But, yeah, that set is so fucking rough. It is immense. All the 69 Vibes acts, for the most part, are pretty tough watches, um, with the exception of a few of them. But it, that's just because it's fucking boring. You know what I mean? That's, we're not doing Woodstock 99 because, you know, Rusted Root played. We're doing it because Limp Bizkit played. You know, it's uh, right. it, it's it's definitely not the '99 uh, aspect that we were looking for, but it's a necessary evil, and that brings us back to the East stage. Now it's about four mm-hmm. o'clock. This is going to go until about five fifteen. This is a huge act, uh, not a legend of Woodstock per se, but definitely one of the most accomplished acts to play. This is Elvis Costello. Right. So, again. I mean, I'm sure most of you are, you know, familiar with Elvis Costello. You know, I mean, in the late 70s, him, you know, Elvis Costello and the, uh, the attractions, you know, were kind of like one of, I would say, one of the biggest, like, punk bands to come out of that time period. And then they very easily, like, kind of transcended that punk movement uh, due to, like, he wrote, like, Elvis Costello wrote, like, very catchy songs um, you know, he's had some pretty major hits, Pump It Up, Allison, um, and then, you know, he successfully moved on to a solo career, um, and I mean, by a lot of regards, you know, a very, like, well-respected uh, musician. Um, no, definitely, but, and he's also, you know, but, instrumental in New Wave you know, and all that, yeah. Right, um, but as far as, like, putting him here at Woodstock I mean it almost it seems like again it was like maybe like someone like Michael Lang was just like hey I really like Elvis Costello I'd just love it if he played right well that's like like Bruce Hornsby playing John Sherry yeah loved him so um there there was like a I think that he had just released an album in like 98 and so you know, he was, you know, he was definitely like a very still like very active in the 90s, releasing a ton of music and performing. And I mean, I think the biggest uh, 99 thing here is that he was in Austin Powers, too. And that is my theory. That's my theory yeah. as to why he was there, because Austin Powers was a fucking huge thing. We've heard so many artists, you know, reference it so far. You know, you have Joe C quoting it on stage. You have Vern Troyer. Uh, as right. an MC announcing Limp Bizkit, like the biggest band uh, of the time to play, basically, uh, or like the yeah. most the most contemporarily popular band. So Austin Powers was fucking huge, and yeah, he has the, the little scene where he plays with Burt Bacharach, and there's like the dance sequence with Austin Powers, and um, was it Felicity Shagwell? Is, is, was that her? Was that was Heather that Graham's the name? Heather Graham's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he comes out in a suit, which I'm gonna put him up there for best dressed, just because it's like yes, like. Yes, there's nothing 
fucked up about your your outfit. Right. If it's not bad, if it's not bad here at Woodstock, then you might it might be good. Yeah. Just having 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 a little bit of common sense uh, fashion wise can go a long way in our rating system. Yeah. He doesn't look bad. He doesn't look bad. It's not it's it's this again. One of those things where it's like there's not a lot. it, It does fall in the middle ground. It's not an incredible performance by any means. And it's by no means terrible. So you can't. You know, if you're, I mean, the best I can say is if you're a fan of Elvis Costello, you'll like I guess, it, you know, watch it. You'll probably like it. Yeah. You know, our buddy, uh, you know, Shane, Shane, Shane Greenberg, he's been on a couple of our Patreon episodes. He's a major Elvis Costello fan. And uh, mm-hmm. he, he helped us out kind of pointing out some samples and, and stuff. And I mean, uh, yeah, he was actually uh, supposed to be on this episode, but scheduling sometimes does not allow for such things. But yeah, so, yeah. you know, yeah, if you're a fan of Elvis Costello, it's a great performance. I mean, he has an acoustic guitar. There's a baby grand piano on stage. That's it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just nice. Um, it, the crowd also is a much older crowd. So you see a lot of yeah. Woodstock 99 merch because that's like an older person thing, like buying the T-shirt of the festival and wearing it the next day. Um, mm-hmm. Someone has a sign that says Elvis ain't dead. Um, his signature mm-hmm. glasses, Elvis Costello has always, uh, always been known for wearing these thick rimmed, you know, Buddy Holly style glasses. They're all fogged up by the heat and the humidity almost the entire set. Um, and he plays uh, part of me, folks. Woo. He plays the Beatles song. You've got to give your love away. And there's a perfect shot. Hide your love. away. Hide your love away. Whoop. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Ah, fuck it's me. all good. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a great shot of a drunk guy sitting down like cross legged singing along like a fucking pirate. Like he's like one of the animatronic yeah. pirates on like the Disney ride. Just like, yo, ho, yo, ho, but singing the, <laughs> the Beatles all wasted. Uh, and yeah, right. noticeably much older crowd, similar to like the Mickey Hart crowd. Um, there, are, there's only one sighting of of titties, but they're not shoulder titties. They, they, they belong to a woman who's just standing in the crowd singing along, completely unbothered uh, during the song Veronica. Just well, that's good. I mean, that's what we need more of. We need just more of just uh, people not people being just fucking bear, bothered. Bearing, right? Just so that's a positive. Yeah, and 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 you know, you, you do see some some you know some people of color in in the crowd somehow. I guess that like you know for Elvis Costello, all because we always talk about how the crowds for a lot of these bands is just so overwhelmingly white that if you do see someone that isn't white, it, it does stand out. You know, just because it's not something that you see, especially if you've watched every single fucking set like we have. Uh, and it's just mm-hmm. interesting that you see you know a, a little bit more of a diverse crowd for Elvis Costello. Um, and, yeah. and then the big moment, he plays his song from Austin Powers 2, and he mentions it. But we're going to hear his little intro real quick for that. Okay, how many of you been to the movies recently? What'd you go see? And again, that really might have been the only reason why he got booked. Because when he mentions Austin <laughs> Powers 2, everyone goes fucking crazy. And, right. and there's lots of shots of happy couples, lots of shots of old folks singing, you know, from the pay-per-view feed in the crowd. Um, he also plays the first song he ever recorded, and he does a little kind of Woodstock shout-out. He's very aware. I mean, he grew up, you know, that Woods, the original Woodstock was his, you know, young generation, like his teenage years maybe, maybe a little bit before that. So he really, you know, has the, the cultural reference. Um, but let's check out his, his little Woodstock shout-out here. You know, this is the first song I ever recorded. Because that was back before you were born. <laughs> and back then, back then I had a showbiz dream that one day, one day I'd be on stage and say somewhere like, uh, Woodstock! 
And there'd be three girls, I dreamed there would be three girls in sequin dresses standing next to me to sing the background voices on this song. Oh yeah. Something like this. And so as he continues his set, he starts playing a, like a really involved song that has a lot of spoken word parts and he slips into like a 99 mode, I call it. When, when, when you drop your 69 <laughs> vibes and, and the spirit of Woodstock 99 takes over and uh, he, he says something to the camera guy or about the camera guy, which completely I feel like. Uh, is still very relevant today uh, as far as yeah, like the way society <laughs> works now and, and young people in particular. So we're going to we're going to hear uh, Elvis Costello's Woodstock 99 slip up here. <laughs> now this cameraman, he's a very nice cameraman. He's been working hard all day. We'll just fuck off for a minute. And let me sing. fucking out of my face yeah <laughs> I, I wish he like spit on it or i like, did like, like right. the classic like motley crew like spit on the lens of the camera as it's like coming towards you right but uh well yeah. now that wasn't his only uh woodstock related slip up uh, if you remember he did uh he had a lot of controversy i think it was you know back in the 80s when he uh he was drunk and he had some really choice words to say about a few um a few uh, black artists, Ray Charles and uh, Woodstock alum James Brown in particular, and he actually was on a drunken rat rant talking to uh, Stephen Stills, who played at the original Woodstock. And um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you just look up Elvis Costello. Yeah, I don't know James what you're Brown. talking about. I'm going to have to look up. Um, that sounds juicy. Uh, he's drunk, and he drops quite a few in-bombs. Um, not very yeah, 69 vibes Stills, uh no not very 69 vibes but a woodstock connection all the same um it's it's an incident that he's uh certainly been with or he's he's had that for with him for quite some time now so yeah not to be it's like tabloidy. a scar on your reputation um, when you do that it's not gonna heal yeah yeah Jesus. But it's just a funny little connection there with the James Brown. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> not not his first uh, attitude problem. Uh, and overall, though, he does seem pretty cynical about like the idea of it being called Woodstock the entire set. Um, mm -hmm. You know, then that's just to be expected from someone with, again with the cultural reference of the original Woodstock compared to now, and someone as accomplished as he is. Um, he also mentions that for his last two songs, which is Allison and, and Pump It Up, he borrowed his guitar from Brian Setzer. Uh, which is great. I'm. I wish he borrowed Brian Setzer's suit too, and he like just does like a quick <laughs> costume change. It comes out in like a purple yeah. star suit with creepers, and he's just like, yeah, "There's the right, one stipulation. Right. I had to dress like him too." <laughs> but uh, that's. I mean, that's basically the Elvis that's Costello it. set. Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing. Not trying to. Not trying to knock him. It's no, just, no, no. There's just not, nothing there. It's, not it's like we, Los Lobos. It's not. Yeah, doesn't serve the podcast too well. But respect to him as as for who he is. You know what I mean. Yes, but not for the things he had to say when he was wasted in the well, 80s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're going to do our Emerging Artist Roundup now. Uh, this is actually a big one. So we always talk about how the emerging artists really seem to have not emerged, or some of them might have been popular for a split second, flash in the pan. This act mm -hmm. is the biggest emerging artist to have played, and they actually did emerge in a huge, huge way. We have Muse. Now, most people are shocked Crazy. when I tell them that Muse played at Woodstock 99, uh, but they fucking did. 
And uh, they were yeah. formed in uh, Tugmouth, England in 1994. They released their debut album, Showbiz, in 1999. Uh, they actually uh, started as a band called Rocket Baby Dolls. Uh, Muse actually is a better name than that. And yeah. <laughs> like the way I've always described Muse, especially like their sound nowadays, like what Bush was to Nirvana, Muse is to Radiohead. Like they're like mm. kind of like like my first interesting rock band from England, mm-hmm. you know, that's not old. Uh, right, right. Kind of a deal. Most people will probably dispute that. I'm sure we have Muse fans listening that will take that as an insult. But whatever, they're fucking huge. They're way bigger now than they ever were back then. And they got to play Woodstock 99. So, you know, they, they became, you know, they went on incorporating like a full-on orchestra at one point. They got super big. They eventually uh, headlined Coachella in 2014, which is pretty recent. So they're they're a big big band and yeah. no one knows that they played at Woodstock '99. Yeah, but they and, did. And because they're emerging artists, uh, there's not, you know, ease. We haven't found footage of them yet. Uh, footage could exist, but yeah, we haven't seen it. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I feel like there was pay per view coverage of the emerging artist stage, but it just got lost in the mix, and no one gives a fuck. Um, yeah. So this next guy, I don't necessarily know how to pronounce this last name, um, John. Oshaka? I don't know. O-S-Z-A-J-C-A. If you folks at home know how to pronounce that, go ahead and send us the phonetic spelling. Uh, I would hmm. be interesting yeah. <laughs> to, to, to know about that. Uh, but anyways, he was a Hawaiian-born singer. He was signed by Interscope Records and released his first album, From Here to There, in 2000. And the big hit was back in 1999. Kind of a... Hmm. That's like a very, like singer songwritery joke where it's like oh it's the year 2000 but let's write about like back in 99 you know like it's a long <laughs> time ago or it's like worlds away yeah. but also there was a huge split like that's Real another fun. under undercurrent of Woodstock 99 is the fact that 2000 was about to happen the millennium the big one the people were scared that all banking and computers would cease to operate and all computers would go back to you know fucking year zero or something and society would cease and there was a real kind of attitude of that maybe if you didn't even really believe that that would happen but it did feel like a big cultural change was about to come people talked about it a lot whether they believed it or not right yes it, it was everywhere and that goes into that you know like we were talking about earlier the arnold schwarzenegger movie end of days that kind of plays into that as well um there's not much info on him uh he kind of sounds like a, like a diet version of beck you know where it's like singer songwriter stuff but it's a little more interesting a little more hip um and 99 was actually a big year for him not only did he play at woodstock 99 but he also got engaged to lisa marie presley uh, but they broke mm-hmm. up in 2001 she has had terrible luck with men um yeah you'll also remember she was engaged to michael jackson and had to kiss him on the mouth on tv but uh so then we have pound pound started as a glam rock band in new york in the early 90s but once they signed a development deal with emi they changed their sound later they were signed to island records and released the first album same old life in 1999 uh they've been on tour with other 99 alumni like collective soul kid rock everclear live and the offspring but they've also played with three days grace the cranberries fastball hinder def leopard cheap's trick and blue oyster cult so they, they had a, a pretty decent career for a while there of course no one knows about pound now um pound yeah pound and they sound like but they're not british i want them to be british and call it pound yeah <laughs> well, but they're can... but they're not well <laughs> they're from new york we can... yeah exactly yeah well, yeah. Oh, that's a that's a funny name. Pound. Pound. Yeah, it sounds like the name of like a leather bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh they they just sound also, like you 90s just reminded like me butt that rock. 
You reminded me that uh, we still have to do Collective Soul. We have to. Oh yeah, that's coming. Man, that's going to be a rough, rough one road, too. Ryan. Yeah, uh, this day is three is road. the. It, it's our own personal Woodstock '99. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're just like a butt rock sound. Really, nothing notable sound wise. Just like rock stuff. But uh, that concludes this part of day three. So, you know, we we only have a little bit left here, folks. Uh, we are kind of approaching the end. But I feel like the worst is kind of over. Like, it does pick up again a- after this uh, with our next episode, which is one of the ones I'm mostly most excited for, have been mm-hmm. for a long time. There's, there's two. We got two legends down the pipe. We yeah, got two uh, more legends. Almost, we have an almost legend, I think. I mean, we've got some good stuff. Yeah, still. no, d- definitely. So stick with it. We just got some some turds. Right. And if but. you if you can't get enough or if you want more, uh, we, we're putting up a, some more commentary tracks on our Patreon. Uh, like I said, I did a big dump of video links and, and photos and things that, that no one's ever seen or, you know, things that we use as reference materials. So that's uh, patreon.com slash culture dumps. Um, you know, th- there's all sorts of stuff on there. It really helps us out. And we appreciate all of you that have subscribed already at all the levels. Um, and yeah, we're just going to keep fucking plowing through this shit. So if you went to worked at or played at Woodstock 99, please contact us at podcast 99 official at gmail.com or on Instagram at podcast 99. Thanks. And, uh, we'll see you at Woodstock. Hey guys, I know we usually end it right there, but I have a special last minute announcement that we had to tail in at the end of this. We will be performing live at the Earl in Atlanta, Georgia on December 19th. That is Thursday, December 19th at the Earl in Atlanta. We'll be doing a talk. We'll be showing videos. We'll have our entire collection of Woodstock 99 artifacts on display. And we also have Pimp Trisget playing. That's Atlanta's premier Limp Bizkit uh, tribute band. So come on down. You can buy a tickets at badearl.com or at the door when you get there. Uh, the whole thing starts around 8 o'clock, so we hope to see you down south in Atlanta. And also, I'd like to give a very special birthday shout-out to one of our listeners, Kaylee. You can thank your brother for hitting us up for that. Happy birthday.